Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Monday. Happy Monday. I know you've lost complete track of the days of the week in the midst of all of this, but today is Monday. Um, Happy belated Mother's Day uh, to everyone listening who is a mom. Um, Happy Mother's Day to my mom, Ruthann. And um, all right, Spring Share. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. A million thank yous uh, to each and every one of you who participated in Spring Share. Really an amazing response. If you happen to have been listening at the end of the day on Friday, you know that we had a total technological collapse, Uh, not due to anything that we were doing, but, you know, due to, I don't know, spiritual shenanigans. And so uh, we ended, uh, I mean, it was extraordinary. Like the totals are really extraordinary and amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. However, we did, um, you know, there is going to be a little bit of a gap between here and the end of our fiscal year at the end of June. So it's not too late to join in. You can always give securely online at MyFaithRadio.com or text the word GIVE to 877-933-2484. But again, an overwhelmingly generous response from our listeners. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For those of you who did not have an opportunity to jump in last week, um, you've still got time. So thank you uh, in advance for those of you who are able to join us at that Team 360 dollar-a-day level. If we had one additional dollar-a-day donor between now and the end of the fiscal year, we would make uh, we'd be fully funded for the year. So thank you in advance for your consideration of that. I want to give you a prayer update for one of our ministry partners, um, the Ravi Zacharias uh, International Ministries, rzim.org, has posted an update on Ravi's cancer. And I think it is fair to say that um, he has returned home to Atlanta with his family. Um, no further treatment is expected. Uh, and short of a miracle, Ravi will be... Um, proceeding from this life to the life that is to come. And so we want to be praying for the entire Zacharias family, the RZIM um, ministry, just the extraordinary ways in which God has uh, has and continues to use the life of this one individual to impact so many around the globe for Jesus Christ. So prayers rising today uh, on on his behalf with great thanksgiving for his, for his life um, and the ways in which God chooses to uh, heal him miraculously, should that be his will, um, or take him home to himself, should that be his will. So uh, I want to talk a little bit this morning about the power of story or the power of narrative to shape the way that we think about things. So let's start with this one. There's a story going around. This is actually a story that's been going around now for a couple thousand years. So there's a story going around that there was a guy named Jesus who lived in Israel under Roman occupation some 2,000 years ago. Uh, the story goes that he wasn't just fully human, but also fully God. And as the story goes, um, he was the only sinless person to ever live and therefore was able to die um, a a sacrificial death on behalf of others. And so when he died, it was for the sins of every person of all time who would be saved. And not only that, 
Uh, the story goes that his death was not actually the end of the story, but really sort of a new beginning of a story that's actually ongoing right now. And it's a story that's without end. Well, of course, if you believe it. Well, that's the way the story goes. Now, that is uh, a story that Christians love to tell. I love to tell that story. And Christians will tell you that it's the truth, whether you believe it or not. So why do we believe what we believe? That's going to be the, really the provocative question of the day. Why do we believe what we believe, and why are we provoked to believe some things, um, even if they're not true? So why do we believe what we believe? Who do we trust to tell us the truth? Who do you trust to tell you the truth right now? Right now, who do you trust to tell you the truth about what's going on in the world and everything in it? Because there are narratives circulating right now that a constellation of individuals, including the Clintons, George Soros, Bill Gates, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Chinese government, on and on and on, that there's some constellation of individuals who are using the coronavirus to, quote, establish sweeping population controls. That That's actually the narrative that's out there. This quote-unquote report um, also backed, uh, you know, Drug therapies that aren't legit, um, claiming that a deep state, here's another quote, deep state democratic cabal is using the situation to undo the Constitution and, quote, force the American people into total submission. Now, do you believe that? And if you believe that, why do you believe that? Why is it so appealing to believe that someone or someones, that people are pulling the strings of everything that's going on right now? What is it about us that wants someone to be doing this to us? So I want to start this morning uh, with really asking you to consider why you believe what you believe, who you trust to tell you the truth right now, um, and why you would choose to believe a conspiracy theory simply because it's a simple story told by a lot of people over and over and over again that provides someone to blame. Why, Why would we be provoked to believe a narrative that assures us that things are not actually out of control? They're just in the control of a handful of a few really bad actors with extraordinarily really bad motives. All right, next up, I got Dr. Zach Jenkins. He and I are going to talk about who to believe about things related to COVID-19. We're also going to get a COVID-19 update. That's next here on Mornings with Carmen. Again, on this Monday morning, Dr. Zach Jenkins from Cedarville University. You can check out his weekly uh, video giving us a COVID-19 update on YouTube. Zach, welcome back. Good morning. All right. So let's start with what do you have for us this week in your COVID-19 update video? Sure. So there has been a lot of information coming out about how this disease actually progresses in individuals over the past several weeks. And two new emerging theories are that rather than just being sort of like a primarily respiratory illness that just just is kind of living in your lungs, you actually are seeing a lot. We're seeing a lot of issues with blood clotting, and we're also having some uh, concern that maybe the virus itself could be attacking hemoglobin and red blood cells. Hemoglobin, of course, is something that helps you 
carry oxygen throughout your body. So the concern is that these people are presenting and, and we're, we've been primarily treating just the respiratory issue and sort of these underlying issues beyond that we haven't necessarily noticed and it's, it's directly impacted our ability to effectively care for people. Which is just a reminder that this thing is new. And so um, there are lots of things that we don't yet know. We don't, we know, we don't yet know what the long-term impacts of having, uh, of contracting this, of, of having it, of living with it. We don't know the answers to those questions. We don't, um, we don't really know yet uh, the answers to the questions related to kids and young people. we got weird stuff emerging maybe related to that. You used a phrase, emerging theories. i got to tell you, Zach, emerging theories are, um, uh, are hard for people to receive. Like, people just want to know what is true. And so um, I know that for people in the scientific community, emerging theories are kind of like that's like positive. Like there's some new positive trails we might begin exploring there, um, you know, at the end of which we might discover um, the great new thing. Most of the population is not particularly interested in the process of the of the theory, uh, you know, of the theorizing of the. Um, none of us even liked that whole, hey, come up with a hypothesis. And then I mean, we didn't like that. We didn't like that. We're not science. We didn't go that route. For those of you who did, emerging theories is kind of exciting. Um, talk with us about why um, why we need to be patient and how we wait out these processes to discover truth through these scientific methods. Sure. So when it, when it comes to a lot of this that, that uh, we're learning about COVID-19, um, Essentially, we had a limited data set to start with. That's one way to think about that. So we didn't have all the points, and therefore we couldn't really trend what was happening. But as we started to have more and more experience with the disease, um, we started to notice little things anecdotally, so just, just little observations that we've had. So, for example, at my hospital that I practice at, I've seen some of these blood clots happen. So having just the the visual evidence that maybe some things at play that you weren't exactly expecting kind of help kind of leads you to ask some of these questions like is this a bigger issue or is this kind of, this kind of like a chance finding so so that's what's really driving a lot of the science right now we ask these little questions off of the little things that we see in practice and then we start digging in and looking at um, a more massive data set to try to evaluate whether those things are truly truly the case or not um, so looking at that emerging theory concept in the video this week, for example, I right now, based on the evidence I've seen, would lean towards the fact that maybe we are seeing a lot of blood clots. Whereas I think with some of the information about attacking hemoglobin, I'd say that's probably still up in the air a little bit more. So you kind of have to go where the data leads you. And, and you have to look at things as a trend over time. There's a lot of stuff that comes out, like uh, a lot of these reports that come out are just like single data points is a way to think about it. So you have a single data point that comes out, and without other data points to kind of go with that, without other studies to go with that, it's hard to really trend, is this true or is this not true? So you have to kind of look at everything with individual scrutiny and then the aggregate of everything together. All right, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, let's talk a little bit about all of the conspiracy theories that are out there right now. Um, I'd like to have a conversation with you about who to believe um, and and so that we can be believing accurate information about COVID-19 and not just 
anything that might happen to be uh, posted right now on any social media outlet. So I'm talking with Dr. Zach Jenkins from Cedarville University. He and I will be right back. All right, I'm talking with Dr. Zach Jenkins. Um, and maybe I should just start with some credentials, because if I'm going to ask Zach why we should listen to certain people um, about certain things, then you might say, well, why should we be listening to Zach? Well, in addition to being an associate professor of pharmacy practice at Cedarville University, Zach maintains a clinical practice in infectious disease at Atrium Medical Center in Miami uh, Valley Hospital, where he helps to lead the antimicrobial stewardship initiative for the Premier Health Partners System. He's board certified in, I don't know, pharmacotherapy, pharmacotherapy, pharmacotherapy. I don't know. He uh, it, it, the list is long, right? The list is long. Um, he's got scholarly works to his uh, to his name. Um, his hobbies include backpacking, hiking, camping, reading, board games, and baseball, none of which is relevant to this conversation, but fun to know nonetheless. Um, Zach, again, thank you for joining us every Monday during this um, pandemic so that we can talk about what we're experiencing and how to process through it. That's really the conversation I want to have now. Why do we, um, why should we trust certain outlets and people to tell us the truth versus others? And in a in a shifting landscape of information, like we thought we knew this and now we think we know this, um, how do we sort of keep our feet in the midst of all of it? So you're asking a, a, a great question, and honestly, the answer is very complicated. Um, I'll try to I'll try to kind of give you at least my approach and what works for me. The first thing I think that you have to lead with is is the idea that there, there's a a logical idiom out there. It kind of goes like this. It's basically never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. A better way to think about that is some things happen not because of having bad intentions from people, but because they didn't actually think it through properly. So I'm not saying a lot of people are stupid, but I'm saying there's a lot of human error out there. Mm -hmm. And Really, really, if we kind of go through with that perspective that maybe things happen sometimes because we don't have all the information and we make error as opposed to there being bad attentions, that sometimes helps us to frame things a little bit better with the information that, that's coming our way. Um, the, the other thing I would add is you, just like you did there, you were vetting out credentials. And, and by golly, I, I would expect every person to – so, so I, I would say you know you should – question things that you're told that there's nothing wrong with that and it's good that you do that but also question the person that's telling you that you have to be equal with both of those those measures um the, the latest thing that that's been circula- circulating around social media is pandemic which is a video that talks about all of the issues and conspiracies possibly surrounding the coronavirus well, if you dig into the individual's credentials and you dig into the real history over the last couple of decades, you'll find out that that individual is not necessarily the most reputable without getting into the nitty gritty of, of all, all the details there. And so that's a little bit concerning because this starts getting shared on social media without people vetting that individual's credentials and their history first. So I think it's really important to, to kind of vet those individuals and ask, do they have any conflicts of interest? So I'll just I'll declare right now. I have no conflicts of interest, but if anyone wants to become a conflict of interest and help me pay off my student loans, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> no, it, it. Right, because there's money to be made when things go viral. 
I mean, that let's <laughs> right, just not right. deny that, right? And so anything that's gone viral on social media, um, one of the things we have to ask ourselves is who is making money off of this? And that is so sad in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic for us to be having to ask that question. But who's making money off of um, fear mongering or or suggesting that or proffering that, um, you know, there is this small group of people behind all of this. I do want to, and Zach, I feel confident you're going to agree with me on this. I, I, You and I should circle all the way back around to um, there is one who is in control. There is one in whom we can place our total trust in the midst of all of this. There is one who is working in the midst of all of this toward his own glory and for the edification of his own people. And that's God. And so if you're looking for a narrative um, where you can where you can put all of your concerns right now, God is big enough to handle it. Um, and God has never failed. And he's not likely to start right now. Like in all of the course of human history, God has never failed. And so to imagine that God's going to fail us now, um, that's that is totally unreasonable. And so if you need a place to put your trust, if you need someone to look to right now and say, I need somebody to be in control, um, total control, absolute control, ultimate control, um, that would be God. And so let's let's put all of our anxieties right there. Zach, what are you um, what are you pursuing this week in terms of um, positive trend lines that lead you to places of hope related to covid-19? I'd say I, I think uh, I, I'm finding it encouraging that we're starting to get more data, as I kind of mentioned earlier, and we're seeing some trends, which is helping us ask questions that to basically provide better treatment to our patients. I mean, I still have an ICU that has several patients in it um, with COVID-19. And so this is a, ever in my mind of how can I best help manage these patients? And I, I'm seeing more trends that's helping us with that information. I'll speak locally from my experience. Um, locally in my area, we're seeing our numbers our numbers turn down a little bit, and I have less patients in my ICU than I did a week ago with COVID-19. So that that's my my anecdotal firsthand observation. But I'll tell you, like that that's an encouraging trend to see all across the board in the country right now. Absolutely, Dr. Zach Jenkins. Thank you um, so much. More data means we get to uncover trends trends and trend lines, which we can then follow, um, which hopefully will produce not only treatments, but maybe some indications of what a vaccine might uh, might need to include So, uh, or how we might approach this. So again, Zach, thank you as always for joining us on this Monday morning to help us understand where we are in the process. We look forward to you continuing to look at the data and discover the trends and serve the people. We continue to pray for you and those on the front lines of this in um, in medical. Uh, wow. On the, I mean, I think of people in nursing homes and in hospitals all across the country. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, Again, I just want to say thank you for each and every one of you who participated in our spring share. Uh, And really, we are overwhelmed. You're going to hear this all day from everybody that we're overwhelmed by your generosity. um, And we are so grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, Diane Jago is going to be here next. She is the author of A Holy Pursuit. She is also the creator and editor of a magazine called Deeply Rooted. She is a military wife and mom. She's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. While at an airport recently, I watched a dad snap at his 14-year-old son. They had spotted a famous football player in the concourse and asked for a photograph with him. But the whole time they were with the athlete, dad publicly criticized his son. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm sure that father was trying to get his son to shape up. He acted embarrassed rather than showing pride in his son. But as I watched the scene, I could see the anger and poor self-esteem emerge from that teenage boy. What could have been a great father and son opportunity turned into a memorable time of shame for this young boy. The lesson here is easy. Compliment your teenagers often in front of others, and you will give them a reputation to live up to. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining me now, Diane Jago. You can uh, you can find her in lots of places on social media. I think I'm going to send you to her magazine website, which is deeplyrootedmag.com. We are going to talk today about her book, A Holy Pursuit, How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams. Diane, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a joy to have you with us today. Um and so let's let's start here. This is a um, very, very interesting season in which to be releasing a book of any kind. Um, maybe a particularly <laughs> maybe a particularly interesting time to be re, to be releasing a book about the things we dream about, following our dreams, pursuing our dreams. Um, I think people's dreams are under radical reconsideration. Anybody who thought they were going to be, uh, you know, traveling, anybody who thought they were going to be maybe pursuing a research grant or thought they were going to Broadway or thought they were going to the Olympics or thought they were going to uh, go to prom um, or, you know, what, 20 some million Americans related to their jobs. This is not the dream they thought they would be living right now. Uh, Mount Everest is even closed. So what do we dream? And then talk with us uh, a little bit about right the right now application of this book. Yes, it felt a little untimely to release during this time, but the more that I thought about it, I realized the message of my book is that there's not a one-size-fits-all plan when it comes to dreaming. And what I mean by that is sometimes God calls us to follow our dreams, sometimes He calls us to press pause on them, and sometimes to surrender them. And right now I have several personal friends whose small businesses are either they're struggling or um, they were laid off their jobs. And so they feel like their life is kind of put on pause. And I think that that's how a lot of America feels right now. And so the heart of my book is to really just consider how the gospel, the message that Jesus died for us, that we have now committed our lives to him, that everything that we do is for his glory, um, that changes the way that we view life events and even the steps that the plans that we've had for ourselves. And so as we recognize that whatever it is that we do, we can give God glory in whether we're eating or we're drinking or we're pursuing dreams, um, there's freedom to know that even our failed dreams and even the things that are put on pause, we still have opportunities to give them glory there. 
Absolutely. Um, one of the things I've been noting in the midst of all this is that some people who put um, some dreams on pause are now finding they have time to pursue those. I mean, I I have friends who have gone up into the attic. They have found the box where, you know, they stuffed a manuscript 10, 15, 20 years ago, and now they're working on it again. Um, or or friends who are, you know, they, they always had a passion for doing something artistic, and they really didn't ever have any concentrated time in which to do that. And now, I mean, they may be sadly laid off, or the gig economy has slowed down to the point that they don't have a lot of gigs. But now, they do have the opportunity to pursue some of those things that God put in their heart a long time ago, and they pushed the pause button on those, and now they're having a little bit of a time um, to pursue those. Now, they may have to ultimately surrender those. I want to talk a little bit about that as well. I'm talking with Diane Jago. We're talking about her book, A Holy Pursuit, How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams. We do have copies to give away, so if you would like to uh, enter the drawing for one of the copies that we have you can just text the word book to 877-933-2484. Diane, when you think about the person who most needs this book right now, who is she? I think she's the person who has been caught up by this uh, the messaging of the world that tells us we should be following after our hearts, we should be chasing after our dreams, um, that if we're not waking up each morning excited about whatever it is that God's called us to, then we must have missed our calling and need to be seeking something else. I think if we look all throughout Scripture, we see people who had to walk through a lot of suffering, a lot of really difficult seasons, and yet we see that God is still in control during those times um, and that He's working even the hard things for good. And so my hope is that as she pick up, picks up this book, her thinking will be realigned to look back at Scripture and to really use that as the roadmap to just the next steps of life. You know, I was listening to um, a friend's sort of testimony about her mom last week in anticipation of Mother's Day. And this is a, you know, this is a woman who's engaged in full-time ministry now. And she was acknowledging that her mom um, set aside a dream to, uh, you know, to be a Christian musician, to be a Christian artist in order to um, raise her family. And she said, however, she applied um, all of that passion to singing into our lives. And she sang to our dad every time he returned home every single day. Um, and she, you know, and so music became the the soundtrack, these scripture songs that her mom was writing during her devotional times became the scripture soundtrack mm-hmm. of the lives of these little girls. And now, you know, these are women who not only are raising the next generation um, of uh, of Christians, but they're raising up other people mm-hmm. in terms of the faith. And so I think that sometimes our dreams um, get realigned to God's God's way and purpose of doing things. Can you talk about that a little bit, that the way I dreamed something may not be quite the way God dreamed it, but it doesn't mean he's not going to use it. Yeah, I think that's such a great example. And it, it all comes back to almost redefining what we view as success. In this day and age, we define success by you know, our numbers, oftentimes what's measurable. And there are plenty of things that he calls us to. So for example, the one that you just gave, motherhood isn't always something where we see this measurable difference. And yet um, that example is such a, a good perspective of how it ended up almost multiplying what she would have been able to do alone through her children being able to go out and use their gifts and talents. So we never know the seeds that we're planting and what kinds of roots um, are taking place and how those will grow into strong trees that will produce fruit that will um, serve generations to come. Seeds, roots, fruit, 
Uh, those those uh, those sound like good um, thriving words for us to uh, make a quick transition and talk a little bit about Deeply Rooted. Deeply Rooted um, is is a magazine, but it was a dream first. Talk with us a little bit about Deeply Rooted magazine. What is it and how did it come to be? So it's a magazine all about glorifying God and womanhood. It's something that my husband and I saw a need for six years ago. And so we started a crowdfunding campaign to um, just create an issue or a, a magazine that was rooted in scripture, um, offered deep content, encouraged women to not just love God with their heart, soul, but also with their minds and to think about theological concepts. And so we put um, uh, this crowdfunding campaign out there, raised enough money to print our first issue. And we actually just sent our 15th issue off to the printer. And what's interesting is this wasn't really a dream of mine initially. I've always wanted to be a wedding photographer. And God just put that dream on pause and Several years later, after just learning to be content in him and the callings that he placed before me, he opened the door for this magazine to happen. And now I'm able to use my love for photography through the creation of this magazine. Oh, I just see. I love that. I love the way that God uses the gifts and redirects um, sometimes the way we think something is going to happen. I'm talking with Diane Jago, the book, A Holy Pursuit, How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams, includes her own story as well. Um, When we come back, uh, Diane, if you've got the book in front of you, I'd love to turn with you to page 95. Let's like to talk a little bit about Jeremiah 2911, um, because I do think that the way you're leading people into not only the gospel narrative, but the way that you're leading people into the study of Scripture is important for people to understand about this about this book and about this process. So I'm talking with Diane Jago. We are talking about A Holy Pursuit. You can also find her online at deeplyrootedmag.com. And yes, I have books to give away. If you are interested in entering the drawing, just text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with author Diane Jago. Um, she's also a photographer. She is the creator and she probably has a fancier title, but editor of Deeply Rooted Magazine, which you can find at deeplyrootedmag.com. We're talking today about her book, A Holy Pursuit, How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams. Um, Diane, I'd love to turn with you to page 95 of the book. Um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Popular verse, popular verse. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Um, talk with us about the process of Scripture study and not just grabbing a verse and assuming that it means um, what we hope it means. Yes. So as we look at Scripture, as we read the Word, we should always consider the context of the passage that we're reading Every verse is a part of a bigger chapter. Every chapter is a part of a bigger book. And obviously the book is a part of the whole of the Bible. And so when we're reading Jeremiah, we want to consider the fact that this was written to um, Israelites. It was written to people in an ancient time, and it wasn't necessarily written for us today. And that that kind of is an unpopular thing to say, because this is a verse that we see, um, you know, on T-shirts or bumper stickers, people that they claim for themselves. And so in order for us to fully understand um, 
it's it's context that will give us, I guess, the way for us to be able to apply it to ourselves. And so when we consider that it was written to exiled elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people that were deported from Jerusalem to, ba- to Babylon, um, you just read throughout the following verses and you'll find that um, it's not just the blessing, but there's also a curse that go that goes along with it. So if we want to apply the blessing, we would almost have to apply the curse as well. So what we can take away from that is that God does have a future hope for his people. The thing that we do share in is this hope of heaven, but not necessarily that um, the plans that he has for us apply to right now. So for instance, in the case of dreaming, um, this doesn't mean that we can open a business and assume that God is now going to make all our career dreams come true. So this is a little bit like studying the Bible with my husband, um, because, you know, he's the one who's like quick to say, um, Jesus wasn't born in a stable. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're going to like ruin every Christmas, like every Christmas reenactment ever. He's like, there were no yeah. ends. There was no innkeeper there. You know, it's the yeah, it's the family room. I'm like, OK, stop. No. So yeah. um, you're you're exactly right. It's like context, context, context. And there are these layers of context in Scripture. And if we don't understand what um, what the biblical writers uh, the audience to whom they are first speaking. There's a first mm-hmm. audience, and it's not us. And so I just really, I appreciated those. I mean, it's this not very long. I mean, you dispense in two pages um, with something that people have um, have misunderstood, maybe for a very, very, very long time. Uh, and so talk with me about um, Ethan. So one of the things that my listeners know that you would have no way of knowing is that I love the dedication page of a book, and then I love supplemental resources in the back. But because yours doesn't have, like, giant appendices of any kind, I can't turn there. So I'm turning to the dedication page, and I would love for you to tell us about Ethan, who faithfully models loving Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. So Ethan is my husband, and um, he served in the military active duty for 13 years, and just watching him, him lead me and just love me throughout all of the hardships that we faced over the course of deployments and um, just everything that entails a military lifestyle. He's just been such a godly example and someone who, um, I don't know, he just has always encouraged me to, I don't even want to say chase my dreams because I feel like that's going up, going against what I wrote in the book, but encouraged me to use the gifts that the Lord has given me in whatever capacity that looks like. So whether that be in the home or serving in our local church, and then of course, in writing this book, he was such a supporter in like the two year process that it is. For people who, um, I, I do feel like in this, in this weird time, like, so at the very beginning, it sort of felt like we all had to become really good at, uh, teaching our kids at home, even if that's not our gig. Um, and we all had to become really proficient at all kinds of technology. And we all had to be posting everything that we were doing and outdoing one another in creative projects related to staying at home. I feel like we are past that. And so I do feel like your book is really, really timely for people who imagined that Instagram and Pinterest were were really the gauges by which we should be determining our worth as women in the culture today. Um, I don't know about you, but any effort at Instagram and Pinterest has completely collapsed, like, right, because I'm so busy <laughs> just keeping up with the demands of life um, in the midst of all of this. Um, so maybe give a gift now to the women who are listening who are still 
trying, they're still trying to be a person that the world thinks they should be versus the person that God is inviting them to be, created them to be. My encouragement would just to be the recognition that Jesus already did the work. He lived the perfect life that we can't live. He stands as our righteousness. And so there's nothing that we can do on this earth. There's nothing that we can accumulate or accomplish that will gain us that right standing before God, because ultimately we want to stand before him one day and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so if you feel like you're falling short or that you don't measure up, like, yeah, we all fall short of God's glory. We don't need to hold ourselves to an earthly standard because he's freed us from that. He's freed us from performance. And um, we can just rest knowing that he calls us to um, come to him if we're weary. And especially if we're in a season right now where I know that I'm this way, we're distance learning. And um, there's just kind of this forced pause in our life where we're really having to put other things um in, in the first place, there's, you know, priorities. And so I'm recognizing that what God calls me to, he equips me for. And so you might not be the perfect Pinterest looking teacher or whatnot, but um, just go to God for your strength and he will give it to you if you ask him. Absolutely. Diane Jago, thank you so much. You guys should follow her on all of the social medias, but also check out deeplyrootedmag.com. That's where you'll find the Deeply Rooted magazine. The book is A Holy Pursuit, How the Gospel Frees Us to Follow and Lay Down Our Dreams. I do have copies. If you'd like to enter uh, the drawing for um, one of those, give me a text. All you do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Diane, uh, blessings on you and your sweet family. Uh, Blessings on Deeply Rooted Magazine. Um, I just really appreciate the conversation today. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right. What'd you do yesterday for your mom? All right. I'm just going to confess. You guys know this because a couple of weeks ago I was, I don't remember who we had on and I was like, when am I going to get to hug my mom? Right. I was, I, I was, it was hurting my heart. My heart was hurting. So my mom is 82. And the answer to the question of when are you going to hug your mom is still not answered. Right. But I decided on Saturday that, you know what, I'm, I'm she's only, you know, five and a half, six hours driving distance away. I'm never going to forgive myself if I don't go. And God forbid, this is my last mother's day to love on her. And so I talked to Jim and um, and he said, yeah, I mean, absolutely go, go. So I got up at three in the morning yesterday and I drove the five and a half ish hours. Um, and I knew that I because I talked to her on Saturday. And so I knew um, that uh, she still needed hanging ferns to hang on the hooks on her porch. So I stopped along the way about an hour out. Um, because I saw, you know, a grocery store that was A, open, and B, had ferns for sale out front. So I stopped. I bought the ferns. I bought her some, I bought some groceries that, you know, I knew would be, be pleasing. Um, and, and I arrived and, uh, I snuck up onto the porch, you know, kind of like half, I mean, I was hoping that they were already awake, um, she and my dad, um, but also then recognizing, okay, this could, (laughs) this could this could go terribly wrong at any moment. But I had on my mask. I had on my gloves. going to do the social distancing thing through the window. And um, 
So she's so excited. She's so delighted. She just like, right. So I'm hanging the ferns on the hooks on the balcony and, and she's like out the door and she's like, you've got to come in here. I'm like, okay, so here's the challenge. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that I am transmitting anything, but I don't want to put you at risk. I mean, you know, you guys are precious and, you know, but I just wanted to see you and I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't stand it. So in the total mom, in the, this is such a mom thing to do, right? She's like, well, let me at least pay for your gas money. (laughs) Uh, I just love that. Okay. So my sweet mom, Ruth Ann, happy, happy, happy Mother's Day. For those of you who um, appreciate the way I'm wired and the way I approach things, it's pretty much just a toned down version of Ruth Ann. Yeah, I'm the dull light bulb in my pack, in the family pack at my house. Uh, My sister and my mom, both way shinier than me. Um, But it's an honor to be uh, the daughter of uh, of Ruth Ann. And so just wanted to give a shout out to my mom today. What'd you do for your mom yesterday? Um, Loving up, loving up the women in our lives is a it's a huge responsibility and it's a delight of the heart. So let me hear your your stories. From Mother's Day, you can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. You can text me uh, at 877-933-2484. Um, and Kathy Martinson, um, the, the, the answer to your question is yes. But, of course, I can't say that in a social distancing world. I might have hugged my mom with a mask and gloves. All right. Hey, we got a whole other hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. We're going to talk about mental health with Dr. Linda Mental. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.